Everybody. Hello. Hello, Dylan, and people watching this show along oh, yeah. with Dylan. <laughs> How are you today, sir? I'm doing all right, Zach. How are you? You know, I'm doing very well, thanks. I'm doing very well. Uh, I sent a lot more emails out to some streaming services, so I expect to get yeah. ignored more. So I'm trying to ride high now and, uh, you know, not be upset later. Well, I learned earlier this week that Quibi got bought by Roku, so Quibi might still be in the game. Okay, we great. Might, we might still have that as an outlet. Well, I do have three Rokus in my house, so hopefully yeah. that is like some kind of stock or something. Does, so we can does that mean you have three Quibi accounts? Is that going to help? I have zero Quibi accounts. Uh, I'm not into get short. <laughs> not into short format stuff. Uh, You're the only people who respond to my messages, Zach. Yeah, that, well, that's true. That's fair. Um, how's your week? Once. How's your week been? You know, more of the same. Yeah, more of the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all. It's almost done being the same, huh? I know, right? Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so if you remember last week, we had Jeff Dwoskin on our show and we, did. we, we made a very weird, uh, <laughs> uh, that was a, that was a very weird concept, uh, about yeah, a no. gun. Uh, it started out, it started out as like a gun being followed down. Then it kind of turned into like a, a bullying revenge, revenge plot and then maybe uh, a splash of uh, bank robbery. Either way, yeah. we are some nobodies. This is talking upstream. Talking Upstream is a show in which me and my partner, Dylan, what we do is we get together and we try to create ideas. We want to sell scripts. We want to be content creators, uh, story makers, that kind of thing. And we thought the best way to do that would be to talk ourselves up to a streaming service. So if anybody's watching the show and you happen to run a streaming service and you do want weird original content, we're here. This is us. We're going to get that right one of these days. Yeah. And we're, <laughs> and we're going to show you our weird process over the next uh, 90-ish minutes. But it's not just us. Like last week, we had Mr. Jeff Dwoskin. This week, we have somebody super special. Uh, no. It's actually a show that I do, do love. So, uh, Dylan, would you mind introducing our guest? Of course. So, uh, this week, we are joined by Andy Grant from the Real Men Feel podcast. Andy, how are you doing today? Very good. Nice to see you, gentlemen. Good to see you, too. Right on, Andy Grant. So, uh, Real Men Feel, which is funny because uh, the way we met was feeling some pretty severe burns. Uh, for everybody that's out there, we, we, we met Andy on the Indie Pod Summit, uh, and we had to do a weird segment where we were supposed to eat hot peppers. Andy was a superstar champ, brought a couple of the actual peppers we were supposed to eat. I messed up trying to cook my own, and then I'm getting like a sauce or whatever. But Andy Grant, how are you, sir? I'm very good, and I've recovered fully from those that pepper experience. I hope yeah. you have too. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I, I feel less sweaty than that day, so <laughs> I have recovered. It's an achievement, <laughs> dude. It was pretty bad. Uh, Real men feel. Great idea, and, great show. For those that, for some reason, that don't know it, do you? Will you please describe your show? Excribe. Uh, <laughs> that's a stupid word. <laughs> describe and uh, let people know where they can find it. Sure. Uh, Real Men Feel is all about encouraging men to own and express all of their emotions. We remind men that they are indeed human beings and that there are no emotions that are for men and some are for women. You know, real men can be authentic, genuine, vulnerable, and all of those are superpowers that enough guys don't take advantage of. 
Real Men Feel is available on every podcast platform known to man. I'm on more platforms than I know exists. We're also, you can watch us on YouTube and Facebook Watch as well. Now, that's funny. Yeah, you, <laughs> more platforms than you know. Has anybody ever yeah. come to you and say, hey, I listened to you on, uh, and you name something like, hey, I, I listened to you guys on Deezer. And you're like, <laughs> never heard of that platform. <laughs> I have someone that watches me on Jamaican public access TV, so thought I lived in Jamaica and asked me to like get together and do stuff. And I was like, why do you think I live in Jamaica? (laughs) Now's your chance. Dylan, we got to get on a Jamaican TV. I know, right? Man, that would be the dream. Um, So, Andy, we started our show because, like I mentioned earlier, what we want to do is we want to talk ourselves up to a streaming service. What was the conception of Real Men Feel? So I've been a, an energy coach since 2010 and energy meaning intuitive. I can read into people. Uh, there's a lot of like metaphysical, a lot of woo woo stuff. That's mostly women than men. And in every training program I've ever been in, I've been one of a very few guys in possibly a room of hundreds of women. Um, about six years ago, I started getting this nudge to make something for men to, to call them out. Like, you know, there's shampoo and deodorant and soap that's just for men. And I needed to remind, you know, emotions can be just for men. So that was the genesis. I was asked to give a presentation at an art gallery about masculinity. And I said, sure, I'll do that. And as it approached, I was like, what am I going to do about that thing I said yes to? Um, so I was playing with my deck and, you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does a, what's a real man? I struck on, you know, what if real men feel? What if we saw a crying man and said, wow, what an awesome, tough, brave guy that is over there. So that's the genesis of the name. Um, my favorite kind of episodes are I have a guest come on and he shares what he's been through, his own, his own journey, and how he's now serving the world. And uh, I'm up to, I think, 225 episodes so far. Good stuff. That is impressive. Yeah, you know, uh, Dylan and I, we, we have a couple shows. One, we uh, review podcasts, and we also try to get ourselves out there on podcasts just so people know our name. And we find that we're on a lot of the same podcasts, and we listen to a lot of the, you know, we review a lot of the same podcasts. Um, but when your show came across us, uh, at least on my end, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Dylan, but I found it so refreshing because I feel that I'm one of those men that likes to talk about their feelings. I do cry often. Uh, I, I have a 22-year-old daughter, and, and we are very uh, emotionally connected, and, and I think that that's the right way to be. Um, but I, I know that for me, that kind of started once I had my daughter, once I realized that, oh man, all people feel and that kind of thing. Was there something uh, that, that, that happened to you that made you realize that feelings, especially for men, were important? Uh, certainly, and that, that something is, is my life. Um, I was a very emotional, sensitive kid. I got the impression that that was wrong. I, I was an only child raised by a single mom. I felt like an outsider. Again, I, I felt wrong, and that manifested as depression and even suicide attempts when I was a teenager. So I know that silence kills men. So part of my mission is to speak about things that most men aren't, but all men can benefit from. And it's really to keep more guys alive, to let every person realize they aren't alone. No, no matter what they're going through, they're not alone. Someone else is going through it, has gone through it, will go through it. And the surest way to feel better is to share how you're feeling. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. Um, one of the things that Dylan and I are, you know, we write a lot of uh, stories, we're trying to write movies, and one thing that is really imp- uh, important to us in our writing is inclusivity because we want to make sure that we are 
you know, doing all the right things for all the right people. Um, because what we've realized is the media really promotes toxic masculinity a lot. And you watch 80s movies, which I grew up on, and you know, you gotta be the Captain America, and you gotta rub dirt in it and get back in there, and you know, don't cry or else you're uh, a couple words that refer to women parts. Um, what, what would you say media does to, I guess, perpetuate this feeling? It, it, it sells to the, the lowest common denominator, the easiest thing. It's, we, we can all recognize the, the masks, the mythology, and it takes a more challenging piece of entertainment, screenwriting story to break through that. So it's kind of like more the, the indie cinema that, you know, the fringe things are willing to talk about feelings and express themselves. But, you know, that's changing, too. Um, my ideal guest is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because there's no doubt he is a man. He is masculine. He is tough. And he feels he is everywhere um, showing all of his emotions. So I really look to him and, and Will Smith or a lot of other guys or more guys. But. You know, growing up like my dad's generation was like John Wayne, and you just you just suck it up, and mm -hmm. you just you're stoic, you're alone, you can do anything you need to do. You don't if you need anybody, you're a loser. Is all that sort of stuff. So it's still there, but it but it's less. At least from my perspective, I see it less. Maybe hopefully it's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so would, would would you say that that jades some of uh, how you view media? Like, do you have uh, favorite directors because of? how they write or how they create wow that's a good yeah i, I guess to expand on that are there is there any pieces of media recently that you think are good examples that showcase emotions from a healthy perspective from a masculine point of view hmm one of my favorite network programs is uh is cbs evil and it's got people exploring things and but you know that the, the lead all the leads they feel they get scared and they're trying to question things so so there's that um Boy, I can't even think of anyone top of head. I don't watch as much. But even you no, know, I'll go. Let's let's go. Total pop culture. The, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, the Marvel heroes ha have doubts, have, have fears. They question themselves. It's the the classic hero's journey. Really has men who feel right. It's the uh, again. It's that eighty stuff. It's the Rambo's and the Schwarzenegger and all those movies that are just you know they're so fake. There's such the inflated body and mask and um, walls, but behind somebody's heart and. You know that that doesn't that doesn't help anybody. It might make some bucks, but it doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. One thing that comes off is absolute passion from you, which which is cool. And, and you know, we, we talk to a lot of people, and you know, they're uh, comedians and, and whatever. And uh, you have a passion that is just oozing off of you. Does that move into other forms of creativity? Do you write or do you, uh, I guess, journal? Or I, I know that you obviously go through, you know, emotions through your podcast, but does that move into other forms of creativity? Sure. Um, I've won national awards for, for comedies. I used to work in television. I used to shoot news. I was a professional screenwriter. And then one day, actually, I was, I was flying home from Hollywood. I had my first trip to Hollywood, and I got screenplays optioned. I was meeting with producers, pitching ideas, and they wanted to know more. It's like, oh, my God, this is it. I've done it. Drive, flying home, I, I just get this just super intuitive shouting that's like, stop making up stories and tell your own. And I haven't done fiction since. Hmm. Um, but, I've, yeah, I've had some screenplays optioned. I just, it's, it's really interesting. Just uh, last week... I heard from a producer I hadn't heard from in a decade asking to re-option a story of mine because he wants to target the streaming services. So I feel your pain and, and hopefully your pleasure. <laughs> yeah. No, we, yeah. We, definitely, we get some pleasure out of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, um, you mentioned that you haven't done fiction in a while. Is the podcast kind of your main focus, or are you hoping to expand its trajectory? Is there like a, a kind of lead in that this podcast is serving as, or do you see this being your primary kind of project for a while? It has been, you know, there are, I, I've, I've written six books. They've all hit number one on different Amazon categories. And I know, you know, 225 shows of Real Men Field, there are tons of books in there. So it's just a matter of time fleshing it out. Uh, you know, the past few months, I've had all sorts of guys telling me that I should be on TV and all these sort of things. And yeah, I'm, I'm open to that. If anyone has a TV channel they want to fill with programming, you know, people told me that, uh, you know, I should be following Dr. Phil. And I, you know, no, I don't, I don't <laughs> but, uh, you know, that sort of power. So it's neat that more guys are saying this and, and receiving the, the message. Um, but yeah, um, I, and I, I don't know what the end game of real, when I started real men feel my goal was to do three shows before I quit. Cause my pattern had been try something. Wasn't a mm -hmm. home run quit. Um, I quickly loved it. I I've lost track of how many of my closest friends I actually met as guests on podcasts. You know, it's just, so I don't see it stopping. I have no idea where it's going to go. But yeah, I'd love to see Real Men Feel be kind of this global brand or meaning or you know live events whenever we can get live events happening again. I really see live weekends and and collections of men coming together. Yeah, that that sounds great. I, I would definitely I would it's be very great, very happy at hanging one of those. Yeah, it's a great project. Um, so we made this show because what we want to do is, like I said, we want to sell out and, and we want to make a movie. That is our ideal goal. If there is an ideal spot for Real Men Feel to head, would it be a like network show? Would it be uh, like a, uh, what would you say is like the most ideal form of Real Men Feel? It's hard to imagine as someone who grew up with only three channels on TV, you know, the three real networks, it's hard to imagine Real Men Feel being there. Um, I would love to see someone create like the male version of, of OWN, of Oprah's network, and just full of, or, uh, you know, men's health, men's fitness, um, GQ, anything like that, like get behind and want to fill up material and have me kind of be the, the heart of that channel. All right? So yeah, I would love that, totally open to that. That's the kind of thing I, I dream about. It's always been an affirmation of mine that I get paid for being me. And when you're just you, even professionally, there, there's no limit to what that can mean. So that that's right. That's the kind of driver's seat I sit in, that there's no limit to what this can be. Yeah, right on. Right on. Mm -hmm. IBM TV could definitely use someone like you. So uh, we'll, 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 definitely make, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll send a couple emails and see if we can we'll hook send, you up at, at we'll least on this show. We'll send you a referral show. link to give us a $10 <laughs> Applebee's coupon for every show we get started on here. Yeah, just type in some nobodies at the end of it. <laughs> uh, so you said that The Rock would be probably your ultimate guest, like your 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 number one guest. Who has been your not your number one, but who's been the one guest that stands out first in your mind of like, ah, oh, that was such a great interview. I interviewed Panash Desai, who's a spiritual teacher, uh, taught books. He's been he's been on Oprah's show, and I've worked with him like at a live event of his years ago. And anyway, I reached out to him. It was during the pandemic. I reached out to him. He had started doing these daily free meditations for everybody to feel better. And I was like, I, I wrote to his, you know, team's email address, like, what would it take to have Panache be on Real Men Feel? And they said, this, me asking. I was like, wow. So within a week of my asking, he was on. So he was the biggest, you know, celebrity known name. So that that gave me some validity and, and I enjoyed that. I most recently talked to Dr. Robert Glover. He is the author of No More Mr. Nice Guy, 
which is the book most men have mentioned to me in the past two years, then like truly 150 guys have mentioned this book. And the title always turned me off. Like, I don't want to read a book judging me for being nice. I don't, I'm not interested in this alpha male, you know, nonsense. You know, I judged what the book might be. I read the book in December. I loved it. I, I was so happy to discover that my, my journey matched everything he recommended. So we talked just last week. The show hasn't been released quite yet. Um, but that brought uh, a lot of joy, a lot of meaning to me. I, I love when guys, especially authors that have been around, they're on television, they're on networks. And I ask a question, they're like, no one's ever asked that before. I'd be like, I'd, I'd, you probably have that too. Like, oh, that's like a podcast host win. You know, it's not like, it's not my goal. I'm really just asking what I think people want to know. It's in my, my own rule for creating entertainment has always been entertain myself. And if people come along, great. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you mm -hmm. what you, what you uh, mean about, especially when somebody's like, "Oh, this is such a great question." Uh, and speaking of which, <clears throat> uh, I do I have a show where I get interviewed over and over and over again just so I can understand how people work and and what people want to have a conversation about. Uh, sometimes I find interviewing people it leads down a path of what I want to talk about. Uh, so having it flipped around is always cool. And one of the questions that was asked to me that I found just so cool, and it really, it made me think about it for weeks after, was if, if your show is a sitcom or a series, what season are you in right now? Hmm. I feel like we're still, I'd, I'd say we're probably fourth year. Now this still is Andy, grow, this, is Andy, <clears throat> this is Andy Grant, not Real Men Feel. Yeah. Oh, oh, your me life, as a me as a human being. If, if, your if, is a if your, show. yeah, if your life was a show, and obviously you've gone through some stuff. So, uh, what what season are you in right now? Wow, this is hard. The the old part of me wants to say the final season, right? Let's end the show, <laughs> and that's just that's still like, and even though I'm so far healed and beyond that, mm -hmm. that's still like there. That voice is there. Yeah. Um, let's see. How did Seinfeld Seinfeld ended like season nine or ten? Simpsons is like 20-something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm in season six, and people are still glad it's going. Right on. Uh -huh. uh, do you think you're like in the middle of season six, or are you about to hit like a really cool cliffhanger and about to venture into season seven? I, I feel like season six is just getting started. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I think when I broke mine down, I was in the very beginning of season seven. And uh, I really actually sat down and was like, okay, well, you know, I was nine before I moved into here. That's my parents divorced. So that was clearly a whole nother, that's a whole season. And then until 12, until high school, I'm like, that's obviously a season. high school is a season. So that's season three. Uh, and I, I really just ruminated on that question for so long. And it really got it a lot of uh, cool creative processes. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's a good question. For, yeah, I, I thought so. Uh, I think I also said six. You said six. I think that you're wrong. I think you're in four. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> See, it makes me want to go, like, Lost was one of my favorite shows ever. So I want to go, like, all right, what was the year that they really, you could tell they didn't know what they were doing, and then they got told when they would end, and it picked up. All right, so yeah, it's four. kind of four. Yep, yeah. Four. Uh, if Nikki and Paolo was on the show, that season is Lost. <laughs> Wasn't that season two? Uh, was they, they showed up in two, and then four was when, like, the spider thing, and then the oh, diamonds. Spotlight. Oh, God, that was awful. Um, yeah. Andy, we started podcasting because we 
failed to know how to make a movie and then we kind of backtracked a little bit and was like well it's true like we we set out to make a movie and it's like i don't know how to do this plus then coronavirus and it was like let's just let's 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 work we set out to make a movie by writing a by writing a partial script (laughs) okay honestly if if we could have made a movie would we be podcasters right now Probably not. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that it was a very, it was a failure that we really took the right way. Was there a failure that happened that made you start the podcast? Or is there a failure that you would like to talk about in your life just to make sure that people are like, we all kind of trump, we all kind of like stumble, we all fail, but got to get back in there. I have made movies. I have made award-winning short films. I was an executive producer on Anna Nicole Smith's final movie. Yet here I am podcasting, right? <laughs> so I wouldn't call those fail. I don't. I don't believe in failures. Just just experiences. More experiences. Um, the the ult- I mean the ultimate to to I hate the word. The ultimate experience that helped me was my you know failure to uh, end my life. You know that launched me in new directions because I had to realize like all right I'm not good at dying. I don't not good at living. There must be a better way to navigate all of this stuff. And that's what made me willing to be wrong. So that yeah like. Embrace failure. Be, I, I am now delighted to discover that I've been wrong about something I always thought was true. Because it opens you up to more possibility, opens up to more adventure, more, more, just more. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if when, when I was, when I would rather be right than happy, I was miserable. Um, and now sometimes I could be right and happy. They can both exist. But if I, if, if I find that anybody that insists on being right all the time, they are some of the most unhappy people I've ever met in my life. And that is not my goal. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I understand that sentiment yeah. completely. Yeah. Um, if you weren't podcasting right now, what would you be doing? Hmm. I think I'd be guessing a lot. Like I guess it like you guys too. Like I think this world will pull me in. I I enjoy and I didn't think I did. I, I actually dropped out of college to avoid a mandatory public speaking class. That's how afraid of speaking and being seen I was at a younger age. Um, but yeah, I like I like storytelling. Maybe, yeah. If I am, maybe I'd still be uh, making shorts and just making fun and and doing more just um, spontaneous videos and uh, like making goofy, you know, getting a gang together, and making a goofy short. That's how I've always been. Being a TikTok star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all of our dreams. <laughs> uh, they only need to be sixty seconds long. That's true. Hard out, Quibi. Yeah, it's oh, it's, wow. the, it's just the cue of Quibi. It's, I'm not it's, on TikTok. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so uh, you you popped into podcasting because you got something to say and you got something pretty original, which I think is awesome. Did you have any podcasting influences? Did you listen to podcasts before you started your own? No, I still don't. I, I, I've worked from home for, for way before pandemic time. I've been working from home full time since like 2011, 2012. So the traditional times to listen to podcasts, they, they aren't in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's very rare that I listen to any podcast at all. My, my show started on Blab, which was a now a quickly defunct social media platform. And it was like a video chat room and people could come in and drop in. And that's how we did it. And then I realized, oh, I can do something with this recording. Oh, I guess that's a podcast. Hmm. Right? And then the show lasted. So I had to actually become a a true podcast and be on the proper platforms and, and all of that. But I, that's, but that's why we still do video. Like I've always just been more comfortable video and uh, you know, people can watch in, just listen or just listen, mm-hmm. just watch, not listen. No, I, you know, whatever. How would they want to do it? That's Provide their own commentary. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've, I've had people do that to my show. 
It's not bad. All right. Zach, you got anything else? No, I was about to say, I talk a lot, so I was wondering if you have any questions. He is a writer, and you do have a couple writer questions. That's true. Um, <laughs> when it, when you were starting off, just this is just kind of process um, questions. When you're starting off, uh, did you find your footing primarily in contests, or did you make your own stuff and get noticed, or did you just reach out and have someone bite the hook? So out of college, I got a job at a local cable company, and I worked in the marketing department, but also part-time in the public access department teaching people how to make bad TV. Mm-hmm. Um I met a guy and we clicked and we decided to make our own show called Cool Stuff, which was wide open. Whatever we thought was cool, that was it. And this was, goodness, mid-90s. Anyway, so we were starting and Wayne's World was all the rage. So all sorts of trade magazines picked us up because I was the crew and my friend Art was the host. It was just the two of us. So I was Garth and he was Wayne and Garth running around with a camera. So we got picked up a lot. And then anyway, we went on, we did like, two years worth of monthly shows and it was just whatever we thought was neat. We were based in Connecticut at the time and we won two ACE awards for best local comedy. Um, I had interviews at, um, where'd we go? Comedy central MTV, MTV. We, we went to New York city. We talked to people like, I'm like, this is it. We are breaking through. This is amazing. It was at the time when MTV still just played music. They weren't sure if they want, they didn't know what to do with us. We were like, when David Letterman used to hit the streets and have adventures on this, like we, that's, that was cool stuff. We were just winging it all improv. Um, talked to a lot of celebrities. We talked to weird Al, we talked to Adam Sandler. Um, and when they were just at the level that they were willing to talk to anybody too. And that's kind of what we were. So, so that went on and that gave me the kind of the taste of entertainment and realizing I could craft stories. I could edit, I could shoot. Um, I started writing screenplays. I got some professional training. Um, I did well enough in contests. I'd have, they were like, a this uh, trigger street and other platforms where people would give you feedback and other people would just like, well, this is really good. And I'd read them like, this is not. And I could tell that, all right, I'm more elevated than the average person that just wants to write a screenplay. Um, so I got training, got insight, traveled with a group of writers to Hollywood in 2010. And, and again, people wanted my stories. Um, the, the closest to fame, any of my screenplays has gotten uh, Josh Whedon read one. Didn't buy it, didn't puke on it. Just like, hey, this has promise. That's the feedback I got, and yeah. that's that's the that's the furthest extent. That's the only name dropping. And he's, and Tyrese Gibson's production company optioned that very screenplay, and became nothing. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's it. So and and you know, enough that like, all right, I've got some talent. I'm generating stories that Hollywood's interested in, and then I got the nope, tell your own. Right on. Um, when it comes to just kind of generating, not even just fiction, but your own content, would you say that you're closer to do sprint where you do a lot of stuff really quick? Or do you more like marathon where you do consistent kind of progress on everything as it comes to you? A lot or, of sprints. Third option? Yeah. yeah, a lot of sprints. Um, that's why I love the phone. My phone is full of script ideas. So sometimes mm-hmm. it, I, it comes down faster than I can write. So I'm just speaking ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I have at least a I've, I've completed probably seven screenplays. I have at least notes on another dozen and more than notes, like the whole character and here's the whole story arc and, you know, all the, all the plot points are there. Um, it's just, it's just time. And it's mm-hmm. that, you know, sell, sell one, give me the lure, get me back in there and then know mm-hmm. that that's the thing to do. Cause I'm, I'm also in the screen actors guild. I do a lot of, I just have time for extra work. Kind of every movie that's been shot in Massachusetts, which is a lot of movies over the last like 20 years, I'm in the mm-hmm. background somewhere just a blurry bit in the background, 
but but I know where to look. <laughs> and, and, and every now and then someone will go, hey, were you in that movie? I'm like, yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, good eye. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, right on. Um, proudest moment. The, the point of your life that stands out, you're like, that's it. I hope it's still in front of me. Not yet. Right on. Yeah. No, there's things I've been proud of, but wait, the, to, 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 uh, yeah, to take the peak of it. When I was in Hollywood and people wanted my screenplays, I thought that was it. So it, it keeps, yeah, I, it's like I'm climbing Everest. And yeah. each camp is like, hey, I'm proud I made it this far. Oh, wait, there's more, right? That's so cool. That, that's right what, what, what you're talking about is like the life that Dylan and I are trying to get into, yeah. which is so cool. Uh, because like even your past proudest moment is our future almost proudest moment, which is uh, great. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it. Dude, I, I like talking to you. You're, you're cool, yeah. man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. We, I could, we, we do this all day. That'd be great. Uh, mm -hmm. But we do have our show to do, so uh, unfortunately. Um, okay, so Mr. Grant, will you please tell everybody once again where to find you, sell us something if you got something, and then we'll get into our portion of the show. Cool. So Real Men Feel, available on every podcast platform there is. If you like websites, you could visit realmenfeel.org. If you want to know more about me, uh, energy coaching. I do Akasha record readings. I have clients all around the world. I also do these really weird person in activations that awaken your energy and give you life purpose. Uh, TheAndyGrant.com. Don't settle for just any Andy Grant. It's TheAndyGrant.com. Oh, I love that. We should have been the some. We should have been the some nobodies. That's some nobodies. <laughs> Don't just settle for any some nobodies. Go for the some nobodies. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, Andy, awesome. Thank you so much for mm -hmm. answering our questions. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, so, IBM TV, thank you very much for having us on. We appreciate it. We have a couple people we want to thank before we get into the meat of this thing. Number one, Scott Curtis. If you're into podcasts, especially interview styles, other than Andy Grant. Uh, which is all about real men feeling. You can go to Scott Curtis's show called Behind the Bits. It's awesome. He doesn't get into comedy. He gets into what's behind the comedy. A little bit of feeling of what the comedians are going through. Friends on the East Coast, Sarah Tkachik, Tanya Sheck. Uh, if you are into podcasts and you want to read the words instead of just hearing them, you can find them on Listener app. If you're on Instagram, it's at the greatest podcast app. Also, check out Scene Snobs. Those guys are cool and they're geeks and they do a bunch of weird movie stuff, which we're super into. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Dylan. Zach. We got to do this. We do. We got okay, some, stuff in, the, so, some uh, stuff in the barrel. That's true. Uh, last week, <clears throat> we pitched a couple ideas, uh, one of which I think we're going to hang on to for a sec and, yeah. and not bring back up. Uh, <laughs> we got to kind of work on that uh, one a little bit. situation has settled a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Dylan, do you want to pitch one or do you want me to go first? Uh, you know, I went first last time and I won, so I'm going to give you the chance this time. All right, perfect. Okay, uh, Andy Grant, uh, the, the story that I want to go down, I had this weird idea about robots. We do a lot of shows about robots for some reason. Um, and I had this idea of, you like follow these robots that are doing like, for some reason in this scenario, humans give robots like a nine to five job just to make them feel like they're not slaves. So there's like this place that uh, robots kind of hang out. And uh, uh, one day, like a human goes in there and just throws everything off. So it's like a little bit of a future story. Uh, robots have their own spaces and a human goes into there and uh, maybe like a murder happens or something. So uh, I, I like the idea of like a nine to five, almost like a place that robots go after their work shift is over. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to explore that because I think there's something interesting in there. 
I don't really know how to sum that up fast, though, but uh, D- Dylan, Dylan. Robot knows Diner Mystery? Yeah, like a Robot <laughs> Diner Mystery. Yeah, that's fine. I'll do All that. Right. Yeah. It sounds like an episode of The Office with robots to me. Kind of, yeah. That's not bad, actually. We'll do that idea on a different episode. All right, let's see. Okay, Dylan. What yeah. do you think can possibly beat this very loose idea? <laughs> <laughs> uh, robots hanging out in the diner. Well, if history is anything to go by, I don't know. Um, Fair. But the idea I came with, um, so it was mostly just like a scene that I thought would be really well, like kind of fun to base something on. Um, guy wakes up. He's in like the wilderness, maybe. It's like an, maybe an, maybe a giant enclosed wilderness space or something. He's wandering around and he finds like signs that someone else was there, like discarded items or something like that. And he comes across a body. And he flips it over and it's himself. And it turns out he's like a clone and he's going to get hunted down by a more advanced clone of himself later on. So it's him evading a more advanced clone version of himself for whatever reason. Oh, when you said that he finds his own body, I thought he was in like a clone dump or something. Could be. Which sounds cool too. All right. All right. So we're going to find, we're going to call this one currently. um... Clone Wars. Oh God. No. I think that's taken. That's a Star Trek thing, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, half our friends are going to hate us. Stop doing that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Farscape. That's it. Far- yeah. Nearscape. Uh, okay. So- <laughs> okay. Mr. Andy Grant, uh, the last question we're going to pose to you for obviously until a little bit until we've figured this out is what story would you like us to work on? with your help hopefully uh robot diner mystery or what dylan actually called clone wars which is about a clone who wakes up and it finds another version of him and then i guess a mystery ensues or suspense something you know what that just the, the notion of that scene and landing in the middle of the story um so it, it's it's kind of the clone dumpster there that uh is intriguing to me yeah yeah, no, I agree. Once he said that, I was like, oh, that, yeah, that, that beats mine completely. That was way better. <laughs> all right, cool. So we I mean, are they, going... they can still be robots. It's all right. You know. yeah, oh, well, if it's cloning, they probably have robots. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there might be. We try to work robots into most of our stories. <laughs> okay, so what we're, going to... <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to work on whatever this is going to turn out to be, which so far just started out as a scene, which is mm-hmm. there is a person who wakes up in the wilderness, uh, finds a body or bodies... Uh, turns one of them over and realizes that it is a cloned version of himself. And I guess now he has to wonder if they are discarded or if there's a hunt, a clone hunter out there or something. Yeah. All right, cool. Mm. Let, let's get into this. All right, so Dylan, you saw yes. this scene, right? And I would assume that this scene, it, it feels like a movie scene. I don't know if this seems like it would start a series or something like that. Am I right? Probably a single-shot story of some length, yeah, not a series. Yeah, all right, cool. So let's work on a uh, just one solo timeline for right now and see where this evolves itself. HBO will adapt a sequel series in 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy Grant, where do you think is a cool setting for this clone to wake up? When Dylan was sharing this vision, it, it sounded like a forest to me. So I like this, you know, wild, overrun kind of nature, not, not, not an industrial setting. Cool. Maybe like a maybe like a nature preserve for this specific reason, and it's you have that moment where he like the Truman Show moment where he bumps up against the wall and it, he opens it up and it's just like the cyberpunk dystopia outside. Oh, cool! Yeah, that's cool. I'm into that. Okay, so the 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 
whatever this is going to be is going to start off with this person waking up, right? Just waking up outside. Is that right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I have a general distaste for starting stories off by a character waking up. That's what I was, was going to say that. It's, it's creative writing 101, but if the rest of the story is out there enough, I think you can justify it. I think yeah. we'll be okay in this situation. I think it makes sense on this one. So, Andy Grant, unless, you're, you're a writer. Unless you want him to just start by just running from something. Well, I, I like the discovery. I think the discovery of yourself is very interesting, and I think that's a very uh, powerful way to start a story. So I would like to start there, if that's cool with you. Whether they're waking up in a pile of themselves, or it maybe just starts with like footsteps through the wilderness, and then finding like a pile of bodies, I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, but Andy, one thing that we'd go through a lot is tropes. And uh, obviously tropes are, are, are storytelling devices that have been used over and over again, sometimes good, uh, sometimes very, very poor. How do you feel when writing about using certain tropes? I let myself use them all to get the story out, to get the flow, and then I go back like, all right, what, what cliche do I have to twist? So I, I, I let the story unfold because, you know, I find that as a storyteller, I'm definitely influenced by every story I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't try to cut myself off you know, mid trying to regurgitate some sort of expression of creativity. Um, so all tropes are fine until the final product. That's would be, then I go back like, eh, is that, is that too on the nose? Is that just too silly? Uh, et cetera. Yeah. Cool. That's perfect. Yeah. Cause that's kind of what we do. We throw them all yeah. in there and go, we should probably pull that one out. Like people yeah, need to stop looking at me. Interesting. Is yeah. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about starting this story off with the clone character waking up? I suppose it's cool having him wake up. I'm curious if we can twist it in some way where it fall, where this isn't the first guy we follow, or this isn't the final one we follow. Like this one meets his end somehow, and then we see another one wake up, and okay, that one cool. meets its end, and then the third one is the one that we actually follow through to the end of the story. And that way, you're you're like, is this reincarnation? Is this the time loop? Are they clones? And then you confirm it's clones. Okay, so what if we do a thing where uh, the story starts in the wilderness? And uh, our person, uh, I hate saying that like this person like has memory loss, but they're out there for some reason. And I don't know if we should know that. So whatever. They start off and they're walking through the woods and they're tracking somebody. And they're kind of walking this person around and they're uh, walking through woods or whatever. And that's when we get a glimpse that the person they're tracking is themselves. How do you think about that? Might be a little early if it's but, that first scene. But then I was thinking, so we have uh, our, our, first, our first clone, right? And they're tracking somebody behind trees, which is clone mm -hmm. number two. Now, they're following this person. And now, just going by what you just said, and I'm trying to work that in, they follow uh, and they get to like a campfire where there is a couple of the clones just sitting around and trying to understand what's happening. And then that's when maybe somebody comes in and starts like plucking these people off. No? That almost... That almost feels like what should be the end of the first act where we have the reveal. And then it's like, not only are we all clones, but someone is hunting us all down. Perfect. I'm glad you brought up act because that leads me to another question for Mr. Andy Grant. When writing, Andy, do you find that you fall into a three arc structure normally? Or do you let the story kind of dictate what the storytelling techniques are? I let the story dictate, but again, most of the time there is the, the three are, and, and to try to prove I have something valid, I look for those breaks and, you know, the cliffhangers and the transitions. Um, cool. But when I'm just like free flowing something, 
yeah, I don't know if my whole arc actually, oh, actually that just makes up act one or, oh, I have, I have a three part series here, you know? Nice. Okay, so let's just use a three arc just you know, for, for structure purposes. And let's say that the reveal of the multiple clones at a campsite, is that, is that cool? Does that, yeah. is that, is that fun? It works for me if like previous iterations of these clones have banded together and you can see them in various kind of states of production, whatever term you would use for that. Yeah. So you have one that was a little primitive and they are just completely bald because it didn't do the hair or one that had some tampering done with it. So they have like different eye color or something like that. Cool. Just to show that it's like a, a progressive process. Okay, so at some point we need to go over who's making the clones and why the clones are out there. Do you think that they, these clones are hiding from something or do they, are they in a community, just an autonomous community in the woods? I think they're probably hiding, but they've banded together to make it easier. Okay, cool. So I'm assuming that at some point we're going to get some kind of trauma against the, the, the camp of clone, clone camp, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't know who this figure is right away. And I guess we're going to assume, the audience is going to assume that whoever's doing all the trauma to these clones. Uh, also, clone camp's not bad. It's not bad. It's like clone yeah. high. Well, it's definitely better than clone wars. Um, although I'm coming back around to that. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, where do you think we should go to after this? Um, well, I, I like the idea that... Um, we have the initial impression that it's a bunch of clones lost in the woods. And then the next expansion of the world is that they're being hunted. And then I think the expansion towards the end is that this entire place is enclosed and structured in such a way that it was always like this or something like, you know what, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it's like um, we throw a whole bunch of versions of one guy in there and whichever one comes out is the one that we send on whatever ambiguously shady mission this organization is running. That's so cool. like this is beta testing. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that. All these brochures. Sure. All right. It's I just like stress that. testing a bunch of clones. I also had a weird idea that if the main person hunting is themselves, so like they make a bunch of versions of them because they're the ultimate predator. So who else would they fight but themselves? Uh, I don't know if that's where we're going to go, but uh, just lock that back there for right now. Yeah, could be. Okay, okay so the first, uh, the first arc really is uh, finding the first clone, following that clone, and realizing that there is a clone camp, right? That's, uh, that's kind of the first third, right? Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. And then closely after that is when we realize that there is the information given that there is a hunt for some reason. That whenever somebody goes out of the camp, they're going to die something. <laughs> something like that. Or the camp constantly moves in order to avoid detection. All right. Do you think that the, the second arc should be reveal of bad guy or banding of clones to start an onslaught or something? I'm I'm really I really like the idea that you don't initially think they're being hunted and then at some point early in the second act the hunter shows up and gets rid of like the majority of the people he meets and then the rest of it is them kind of like trying to reverse it back on him and then that ends when they finally do get one over on him and then it expands to like um I think the closest kind of thematic idea I can think of is the end of Cabin in the Woods when they go into the tunnels and you're like, Oh, 
this entire thing is constructed. And I think yeah. that's probably the next step beyond just not only are you being hunted, the hunter is also part of whatever system is in charge of, is doing this. All right, cool. So the hunter is also a discarded clone then, not the person who's making the clones. Either a discarded one or the one actively being like tested. Like, all mm. right, uh, in order to be successful, you have to go inside this wilderness enclosure and hunt down your previous selves. And then, yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, Andy, what, what of this uh, seems interesting uh, for you with the story that we should start going into? So one thing that's popping in my mind is what if this all is done like each day? So the, the elders in the clone camp are really just hours older than other people. But from their conversation, you don't realize that. We think people have been there forever. And then, you know, one of the reveals is that this happens every day. You just every few minutes, someone keeps landing. And, you know, the, the reveal is maybe, you know, somebody realizes someone's different because it's really, it's the clone in the best shape bursts through the, and or he shows up and actually like kills one too. They all like, oh, it's oh another one of us. Here's another one of us. Oh, this guy's killing us. Why? And it's <laughs> that that can like launch a, a new direction. But cool. I, uh, I, I think I, I, I one of my favorite sci-fi reveals is the idea that this is not just a recent or like presently occurring event, but it has been going on for a long time. I really like that idea. And there's some fun where it's like maybe they could open a door and there's just like a vat of them or something like that. And you, you see the facility behind the cloning. I don't know how dark we want to get with this, but we've got some options for some really striking imagery in this. Yeah, I, I do like the idea of them hanging on to, like, maybe clone body parts for when the ones come back, like, wounded, and you go, eh, we have an arm, just go get it out of there, you know. Um, <laughs> Very early uh, ones are actually androids. Yeah. Do you want to work on the character of the clone, or do you want to continue with the storyline? Let's, I think we have a good kind of framework right now, at least for where we are in the show. Let's see if we can't get some character stuff done out. Okay, cool. So. Now, I have one question that I think I need to pose. Are the only characters in this going to be the clones? Are yeah, we going to do that? Or are we going to have all the other characters appear as voice only or on like a monitor or something? So I like the idea um, of what Andy was saying and also how you worked it into the story that this is all going on. It's been going on for a long time, but I also like the idea that the people that are doing this have no idea. Like they're, they think that like the clone body is literally garbage and they just throw it out and then go back to their lives. And then this other thing, this whole other universe is going on outside and nobody really knows. And they're just like, these clones are dealing with like a weird civil war kind of. What if, I don't know if this is going too far, but what if there's a reveal that it's like 10,000 years in the future, everybody outside is dead and this entire process has become automated without any human intervention. Oh, just so make it a person dropping it off. They break out and it turns out it's just a completely automated cloning facility and outside the world is completely wrecked and there's nobody left. Oh, that's cool. And then we cool. do like a 50 years later and the clones have completely repopulated with everybody. So it's, we don't so, it's like, that, so it's so like... So it's like... It feels like it's the, the beta test notion to the big extreme. And like no, no one ever shut off that automated machine and they just keep yeah. trying to make the best version. Right? I don't know if that's too far out there for what we're trying to do here, but no, I, I like that the sort of end scene. I would kind of, and I guess not anticipate, but you know, obviously it's the one that I think is kind of fun for this idea. 
Yeah, yeah no, I love I, I love open ended things that you can keep imagining, keep going in, as opposed to just like, oh, and here's the good guy, everything's over. Yeah, that's boring. <laughs> that's boring. We, we we try to stay away from that if all at all possible. All right, so now this thing is called beta test, and I think that's actually very cool. Um, all right, so Dylan, what is so we know what's going to happen to the first third of the story, whatever this is going to be. What do you think the next third entail? Like, what what actually is the the second arc or the the coming down? Is it the is it the reveal that there is something else going on out there? Is it a reveal that one of the clones is hunting them? Um, what do you think? Which reveal is this at the end of Act Two? This will be the end of Act Two. I figured that's when they break through the wall and they see that there's a facility behind it, and there and maybe that's them being like, we have to get to the people who run this, and then it's just a run through this like hellish automated clone factory. And then the end of the third act is the reveal that it's actually been going on for a thousand years. Cool. Yeah, there's no bad guy to find. It's just machinery still running. Yeah, a real so monster. Yeah. yeah, and then no matter what you do, no matter what they do, it's just going to just continue. Like tomorrow, there's another clone that's going to drop off. And if they kill a hunter, one's going to become a hunter just to get rid of them, whatever. Uh, do Cool. Do we go Snowpiercer where the, where the happy ending is to destroy the status quo and let nature come back? Where they blow up the factory somehow? Spoilers for Snowpiercer, which came out like 15 years ago. Uh, they did not blow up a factory in Snowpiercer, yeah, Dylan. They, so. No, I'm speaking no, figuratively. <laughs> they, just, they just departed a train. That was it. That train was kind of a person factory, let's be real here. <laughs> it's definitely a roach bar uh, factory. Mm -hmm. Um, People eat okay. bugs all the time. Whatever. That's true. Um, okay, so this clone. What what does this clone uh, look like? What uh, is? Are they a copy of something? Is are they a copy of like a uh, something from now and then a, a thousand years from now? Like it doesn't matter. Like are they a Tom Cruise ripoff or are they like a are they a, a pinnacle person made in a factory or is it just you and McGregor? I'm part of me is thinking there's some. It depends on how tongue-in-cheek we want to go with it, because we could make it a clone of some, like, celebrity, and they wake up every time they think they're a celebrity, but I think that's too... Yeah, I don't like that. No, it's too kind of, I don't farcical, I suppose. Yeah. I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to backpedal the story of why this clone is being made, to begin yeah. with. So, obviously, there's... Hmm. What would happen? Maybe we find out, what if he's the, we see this human pictures at the end and just employee of the month. He was just like the best Homer Simpson of this factory hey, or something. Our picture's on the wall here. It says yeah. employee of the month. Something and like that. that. That's, yeah. So that he was, was like the last person to win being cloned for as their, a prize. Their, their prize for MV for most valuable employee was to be the feature of whatever genetics experiment they were doing. And yeah, at that moment is when the fat, like the world stopped, and they just kept making the same employees. Yeah. Them up. It was just like a nobody. That's, that's not bad. Oh, that's actually really cool. Uh, all right, so there's an employee of the month, and that's the big reveal at the end. That's and funny. casting, like I always think, casting wise too, this yeah. lets you cast anybody. Whoever says yeah. yes to this project, great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because they're like, oh, remember him when he was uh, them whenever they were an actor in this. Mm -hmm. um, okay, cool. So they probably uh, so there's the employee of the month. Um, they have no real skills, right? Uh, I think, I th yeah, maybe the clones can be like specifically programmed with a certain skill set. I don't know how far, like far out there we want to go, but like, you have the clone that's specified for like construction work and he's bigger. You have the clone that's specialized for like, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? 
I do. I don't know if there should be different writing if it's an automated system. So I think they should all yeah. be pretty much identical. Yeah, um, but especially maybe if, they don't realize until you do something, you know, you're good at it. And if this oh, is all, they're all in this new situation. So someone's, I'm great. I'm, he's the campfire guy, and he's the how to hunt food that we don't eat, or you know, whatever oh. it is. They re, they discover they have they are skilled, but they don't know it because they're programmed. They should be good at stuff. Yeah, that's so that, 23. His genetic code is predisposed to a wilderness survival, so we keep him around. I, I like that, like, there's not even a, dis a disposition. It's just when, like, the new guy gets to camp, and they're like, so what are you, so what are you, what are you good at? And he's you, like, what, I, I, I don't know. What do you guys do? And he's like, I don't aptitude. know. This guy, yeah, this guy carries stuff. Like, uh, this guy is a surgeon, I guess. So, <laughs> all right. So there's, like, a, <laughs> so there's a thought of, like, they could be different, but they're actually not. They're all, so that, that makes the reveal cooler at the end when it's like, you guys are just all this guy, this employee of the month guy. Um, okay. What's next, Dylan? <laughs> Let's see. I think we should also flesh out just kind of what the frame around the story is, like the world around it. So that way we can, when we do a little bit more like targeted story stuff, we kind of know where to come from. Yeah. So like wh which company it was, what year, like, what year issue, like, you know, what kind of tech level it was when they were doing this potentially where in the world it was, but if it's far enough in the future, we can kind of do whatever we want with it. So um, I like I like the wilderness. So I think maybe setting it in Colorado makes the most sense. Uh, sure. There there is like a tech bubble here, and then if you know we could use that. And let's say that where they are is the grounds of the facility that they use for like testing and training outside, because they also maybe used to use uh, make military weapons. So they um, would have like open space. The Roosevelt National Forest. We could just say in the future they completely domed it off. Love that. So they're running around in the Rockies. All right. So in Roosevelt, uh, and I guess <laughs> a future of who the of who the president's going to be is probably not um, donating as much money to the Park Foundation, right? Which uh, or they're very, donating so yeah. much that they can afford to just block the entire thing off, or they just sell it. Yeah, <laughs> That's it our thing. They, yeah, they they yeah, lease part cool. of it. <laughs> All right. So in Roosevelt, the Amazon National Forest. <laughs> Of North America. You know, uh, Zach, if we want to tie this into other works we have, the parent company could be Advanced Solitude Solutions and they're cloning people. I love that. That's in it's our universe. Angel uh, what, what, what year is that set in? 90, 2095? 2095. Ish. So oh, we, we set in, we set this in like 2300 or something. All right. So 2300 roughly is the year, which means that these things have been going on for about 300 years, right? Okay, that makes sense. 300 years of cloning drop-offs. Um, okay, which means, uh, all right, so we're 2300, uh, and I guess, what, humans? Humans are done? Or no? I don't think we need to confirm or deny whether humans are still alive. I just don't, I just think that when they break out of the facility, the world that they can see, the rest of, like, surrounding Colorado, you see the, uh, Denver skyline in the dis in the distance, but it's got that post-apocalyptic like steel beam and no window. Yeah, view to just it. that that one random pillar of smoke. That one random building with the little curved like roof. <laughs> yeah, you know which one I mean. Oh, I do. 
Okay, so uh, the guy wakes up in the woods, finds another person that looks just like him. He follows that person, and he goes to a camp of the same people. They question him about what his specialties are, and uh, that's a weird scene right there. And that's when we get the information shortly after that there is a sort of a hunt going on, and that somebody is killing these people, and I guess that's what we're going to let the audience know or I guess that's what we're going to make the audience feel is the storyline. Somebody's creating these things just to kill, right? I guess. Yeah. And we could potentially have that first act be him like he just thinks he's in the woods. And then he starts running into weird, like, hyper vicious animals or something like that. Like maybe this entire place is kind of rigged to test survival of some sort. Sure. I'm just trying to think of what we can do before he gets to meet the clones, before that reveal. So it's almost yeah, like, I mean, a, like a hun- Hunger Games kind of ground that they are just plopped into? I, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, automated, though. So it's got, yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like they, they just kind of, uh, uh, like a door opens in a factory, and they kind of come out of the door. They're clones. They don't know what's going on, why they're made. And there's just a door to the outside. And they walk outside, and then that's when they stumble upon all this. So they come across maybe some of their own bodies, and they're like, what is going on? And that's when like all this picks up, and they follow one into the woods, uh, and then the camp picks up. Is that That's right? That's accurate? I kind of like the idea that it starts with them in the wilderness, or they wake up in like a shack or something. And that maybe that shack has a maintenance hatch underneath it, and they have to go back to the sh- like it's like we have to go back to where it's starting to go there, and they find the maintenance access hatch. Yeah. So and wait, then, so they're made and then put into that hatch. I figured, yeah, they probably have some sort of like you know they get cloned and then does a little like clone growth thing, and then they're shot out of a pod and just kind of placed on a bed in like a like a mountain shack, and that mountain shack has maintenance access. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like they're being, re- they're being booted up for the first time, and it takes a while. Yeah. Like, you, you put them out there, and it takes a while for them to turn on, and they don't have any sort of memory unless you yeah. choose to program one, right? I, okay, I so then, so the, the start of this uh, movie or whatever is a, a person waking up in a shack, walking outside, seeing body parts or something, and then finding one of themselves. That's, that's like, that's a, that's a start? I mean, I'm cool with that. I, I like that. Um, yeah, wasn't it like tripping over, like finding himself dead? Was that right. the, that's yeah, the yeah, yeah. hook, right? I think he find, he follows like a blood trail of some sort. And then, yeah. then like, you know, 15 minutes or so, he finds his own body. And that's when you're like, oh, something weird's happening. Yeah. He gets attacked by like a, a swarm of bees or dogs that spit bees or something like that. And... He runs and, you know, he survives for a little bit and then he sees like a smoke signal up ahead or something like that. So he follows it and it's a bunch of him around the uh, campfire and they're like, oh, huh, another, okay, another one. Well, my name, you know, I go, I go by 15. This is 35. Um, Do you have a number? And he's like, what do you, what do you mean? Maybe he's got, maybe the clones have some sort of like watermark at a spot they can't see or something. And Zach's not into it. <laughs> or is it just how much, how, what number of person showed up and gathered? Like the first yeah. guy was one, then it's two. And so 30, if it's 35, he's the 35th, if that's what yeah. you're at. Yeah. Like when he gets there, somebody sees him and he go, Oh, there's another one. And they, they put like a mark on a tree and they go, that ah, looks like you're number 35. Uh, yeah. yeah or, one of, or one of them like tattoos himself as a way to be different or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. 
they get yes, a number to go, look, we're all the same. We got to keep ourselves apart here. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. All right, what's next? Um, I think in Act 2, they are planning to escape, and then they slowly get picked off by, you're not sure who, but eventually we reveal pretty soon in that it is another clone. And I think we reveal that pretty pretty soon after so we don't waste people's time. All right. So the first act ends with the reveal of the clone camp. Shortly after that, we get the info of the hunter. And then the story is going to shift into these clones wanting to escape, thinking they're being imprisoned. So they go to like an escape style story. And then that's when like the hunter clips off a couple of those. That turns into the reveal that the hunter is also a clone, which is cool. Because they're like, why are you doing this if we're stuck here? And then the clone's like, we're not stuck here. Oh, what if okay. what if the clone what if the hunter clone doesn't know he's a clone so he thinks he's the hero and it's only Ooh. in the factory that they realize you're you're fake too you know cool yeah. okay uh where, where should we put that reveal is that after the, the second act no i think that's the yeah. i think that's the closer to the end of the second act because that's when they get him to join where he maybe he thinks he's the original and that his mission is to like hunt down like faulty clones made of him but then they're like you're not a, you're not the original. We've we've taken out three or four other versions of you already. Like there's always someone hunting us down. Yeah, or the or the employee of the month date is like you know hundreds of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool. Some, something tells them what it is today, and then they realize no. If you're the original, you'd be you know six hundred years yeah. old. And <laughs> yeah, you're obviously not the original. There's a photo of somebody else behind you. Looks just like you. Yeah, and it's old. Or okay, he so... what? Or he finds himself half made. The next tomorrow's version of the hunter is yeah. there. Oh, oh the, yeah. When they're going through the factory in the third act, they definitely have that scene from uh, Aliens 3 where it's the, a whole bunch of like misassembled ones. It's like, kill me or something yeah. like that. <laughs> now, does the hunter have, um, say, something wrong with their face so that way the audience doesn't know that it's a clone and that would put like the reveal later? Because if, if the hunter doesn't know he's a clone, that would mean that he never saw himself or can't see himself, I guess. Yeah, the hunter, he's dressed, he's in some uniform, he's dressed for tactical warfare while the other guys are just schlubs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Schlubbing clones. Yeah, uh, your aptitude is that you were meant to be like a soldier or something, or a cool. recon guy. And he goes, what do you mean my aptitude? It's like, well, I mean, we all, you know, when they make us, they tell us what we're good at. He's good at carrying stuff. Now, do you think there's a time frame from when they wake up until a certain time that they don't really have a memory yet? Like, they're still booting up? Because what I was thinking was a reveal could be the hunter's like, I'm not one of you guys. And they're like, yeah, look, you have a tattoo, dude. You're number 15. Like, you, you are one of us. There was people before. Like, do, do you want to throw that into it? Or is it just a straight reveal of like, take your hood off. You're one of us. Either or. I mean, I, I assume they all look alike. Right. But I was saying, like, if, if, all right, so if we see the hunter at some point and we do see them, we'll know that they're a clone, unless they're yes. shrouded. Now, in the story, either that hunter does not know he's a clone and has never seen his face because he has killed other people that all look alike and mm -hmm. also look like him. So either he cannot tell he's one of them or just doesn't know, which seems yeah. weird. There's no mirrors in this wilderness, so that's easy enough to not self-identify. I assume there were no, yeah, no mirrors make sense. That's why I had, I had mentioned maybe he's been, the hunter has been programmed to think they're the original. 
And then they somehow show him like the watermark or something like that, where it's like, you've got the weird fingerprints. Like there's yeah. the, there's the A on your fingertip. Cool. And in sort of, it's in some sort of battle. The the hunter is disrobed by the yeah. club. And they're like, oh, you're one, you're not, you're another one of us after us. <laughs> It's like, if no, this you're, is, if this has been happening more for them yeah. or not. You know? And he's like, no, you guys are one of me. And like, I don't think so, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're not that old. Um, okay, Dylan, what is most of the third act? Um, right now, what I have is that they realize that the entire wilderness is an enclosed testing ground because that's when they break through the barrier and see the behind the scenes stuff. I assume that's when they, let's see. Because so, this, this is the big reveal to everybody that this has been going on for like 300 years. So yeah, the facility and, the facility reveal is the beginning of Act Three, correct? Yes. Okay, and then shortly they after the shack and go into the maintenance access, and that's where they get into the tunnels. Yeah, and do they find like nothing in there, or are there people just doing their jobs, and they're like, "What are all the clones doing here?" <laughs> or no, do they not come across they, people at all? I don't think they come across people at all. I think it's fully automated, and they're like. What is going on? And it's weird that there's no one else around. And then maybe they find like a skeleton, like a fully decomposed human body. And they're like, what is this? And then they find like maybe the the cafeteria and all the food has been left. Like, you know, it's obviously overgrown at this point. And you're like, oh, a lot of times pass. And maybe there's like a repeating emergency alert message going on. And then they find a window, and they look out, and they see the completely overgrown cityscape. And right. then what? <laughs> so what? What? What are we getting? What do you think is a is a good ending though? Like, is the ending them getting out of the facility area and walking into like the world? Is the ending like uh, they they breach the perimeter, so they all just get shut down? Uh, is it like Ooh. is it like, there's like a turret outside that knocks them all down quickly? Um, what, what, what kind of ending are, are we trying to get to? Because so far it seems like we're just getting to that hopeful, Hey, we can also live in the world with people or not people, depending on what's out there is, are we doing that? Like the dystopic walk off the snow piercer style, like you said, well, that's a good question. Okay. <laughs> um, wait, Andy, Andy, what are you feeling about how this could potentially end up? Yeah. Cause we obviously, I like the, like they're get into the parking lot and just move up there's they're only alive with, with so radius so but yeah so one of the final ends is the employee of the month they realize they're all but after this person that's it's it's the factory's been automated it's been going on for whenever and ever so they try to like well let's let's see what we can do on our own and they're just they all just shut down they yeah. have a, they have a, a just a off switch by proximity yeah well, they're, they're they're powered by some futuristic thing that the core is only there the cafeteria is powering everybody and you go yeah. too many feet away and, so what what if the clones were all designed uh, after this one employee of the month because he is the ideal customer service tech and all these people were designed to just be customer oh, service. They have to live yeah. on this grounds. They only work customer service. And if they ever come across the grounds, uh, they die, which is why some of them think there was a hunter on the other side of the barrier because when they do bust through the barrier, they drop dead and they go, oh my God, there's a hunter out there too. So they don't really cross until they learn that their own, their sole purpose really was just to answer the phone to deal with some customer service thing for this weapons tech. That yeah, makes I dialogue like, so fun. Yeah. Like Everything, the, if you can go uh, back and make that dialogue fit that, that task, that that's awesome. They're, they're the remnants of an old potential like society. And there are rumors that if you go to the outside, the hunter gets you and now the hunter's inside. And so they then have the option of like walking out and dying on their own terms or staying inside 
but then we need to justify why they haven't established their like a like a society that kind of you know what I mean? Yeah, but they have. They have many, many times, and they keep leaving and dying. And you know, they 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 form a tiny society. Decides like we should just get out of here, and then they cross the barrier, and they all just die. They right? They make the outside. same decision every day because they're, they're, the they're all they, They're the same person. <laughs> They walk outside and there's a whole bunch of like decommissioned ones at the proximity. Yeah. yeah. And they and walk up like, to see what's wrong and they become them. Yeah. And and they're, like, they're like, uh, I guess the hunter is not here anymore. So let's go. And then they're, <laughs> and they go, what if, oh, what the hunter's the, still here. What if the hunter is the product they all support? Oh, okay. Ooh. So, okay. So what? Prove that or make yeah, it work. I, I like this though. Pre- they were designed to be like prey, just easily produced and disposable clones. Yeah, so they know I, how to beat him because they know how to support him, and that's how they can survive somewhat and win him over to help them. But yeah. because that's their job to support whatever his job is supposed to be. And that's also why they're so scared of him because they've been selling this product for so long. To go, no, no, no. This is like the ultimate weapon, guys. We cannot fight with this thing because they've just been programmed that this is the ultimate weapon they've been trying to sell. Okay, I think this is actually getting into a really cool story. So, uh, I like the fact that they are all customer service clones uh, built to handle just a mundane phone thing or just basic uh, secretarial duties. Um, such as maybe this company has uh, robots that need IT help and they would have these clones that answer these phone calls for the IT help or whatever. And then the world falls apart and then these things still get made one a day because uh, when the company broke down, that was their uh, trajectory. We would need one employee a day because of how we're growing. Is it too dark to say that they might be like organ surrogates and that's why the hunter's going after them? I mean, it, I think that that's a reason the hunter could be taking him. Like, say the hunter's oh, been God. there for hundreds of years, and he keeps, like, <laughs> just grabbing new organs and replacing himself or something. Uh, that could be cool and weird. Why he's so deformed looking. Because um, he's been there for 200 oh. years. Uh, I actually, I, I, I kind of like that idea, too. Um, if you want, we could throw that into here. Um, I, I like the idea that these clones were produced to support ult- and then... Over the years, that programming has kind of become corrupted to result in, well, we support this thing by being its prey. And it turns out the thing is just another one of them. I like that. I don't think we need to go the full route of them being like, you know, organ producers, but. All right, cool. Hmm. Do, you, do you want to run through the story real fast? Like a quick run through to see like yeah. where, where, how this is feeling, how it's looking? So we start with a guy waking up in like a mountain cabin, doesn't know where he is, um, but he sees signs of habitation or at least recent visiting, like, you know, maybe something's ruffled or the door's partially open. There's marks in the dust or something, or there's no dust, something like that. Um, He follows the signs, finds a blood trail or like a spattering of things. He avoids the dangers, which seem, at least from our point of view, pretty excessive for what looks to be a pretty standard forest. Um, and then eventually he starts finding signs of violence and eventually stumbles upon a clone of himself or a body that looks like him. And we're freaked out. Um, he follows more signs and is a, is dealing with like some sort of pursuit when he finds a group of people who all look like him. Um, these are all clones of him. They all look alike and they've all been there for a while. And they all know that they are supposed to evade this thing that's hunting them down. Um, they do that and slowly get picked off until a few remain. 
at which point they fight back against the hunter and actually down him surprisingly easily uh, despite the reputation this thing has. They unmask it. Turns out it's another clone. They convince him somehow that he is not the original. They convince him that he is another version of them and that maybe they have an old story that one of them heard from a previous iteration of them that there is an outside world beyond all this. So they just, they walk. They deal with the death traps in the forest or whatever is around. And eventually, maybe they all remember waking up in this cabin. Nah. Otherwise, they just set up camp around that cabin. Um, So they go back to the cabin um, for some reason. maybe Maybe they remember that it was seemingly occupied. And they find an access hatch, which leads to a maintenance tunnel. They go through an automated factory that's pretty overgrown. They find corpses of the people who live there. It's clear something awful happens. They find the uh, wall plaque with employees of the month, and the most recent one is their face. Um, They probably find some sort of archival footage playing where it's like, hey, if anyone finds this, our names were so-and-so. We get some hint at what ended the world, but we probably don't have to actually explicitly say what happened. Just something went wrong. And it went wrong on such a scale that everything went wrong. Um, They go through the tunnels. They find out their original purpose was probably some sort of customer service support for a more autonomous, kind of more aggressive clone. And then they realize that when they look outside, they see a whole bunch of people in the street, but they're all in a line. They go down and it's a bunch of deactivated clones at the proximity. And so one of them tests it deactivates they can't reactivate them it's just an automatic kill switch they're like well we have the option of going back and living in that walled in forest or we can hang out in the ruined building or we can go out on our own terms and then we see them make whatever decision comes logically to them based on how they've been developed in the movie cool I mean, that sounds cool. Yeah. And Andy, where do you think, are there any holes in here? I mean, obviously this is not a fleshed out full story, um, but is there, are there any uh, plot beats or things that we need to throw into this uh, just to, uh, further along or to add something extra to it? it, it so what's the video? Like, is this a short? Is this a two hour feature? What, what's your feeling there? Cause that now, Seeing how all of these linked up, this does feel like a feature film. This does feel about an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes long. Um, I can see each one of these uh, arcs being roughly 30 minutes, uh, 35 minutes. So it feels like a feature to me. Either that or a a short limited series. Uh, Yeah, I don't know about that. eh, We need to fill in a lot of stuff. Yeah. What what feels like the biggest challenge to me right now is is who's the lead? Like like who am I rooting for or is it just twist 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 and I'm not rooting for anybody? Yeah, so the I guess the, the start of this story, you follow the clone, then you follow then you find the clones. So you're rooting for the clones. First against the hunter, then once the hunter's trying to be a clone, then you're again rooting for the clones, then against the facility. Once you find the facility is uh, the biggest detriment, you are just on the side of the clones, but it's hopeless because there's no place for them to go. So yeah. I, I feel you're always it's on the side of the clones. End. Yep. But we're yeah. so, and we're associating with, you know, clone number 35, whoever came to life that yeah. day, who woke up in that shed, that we're somehow yeah. going to stick with him and, and recognize him uniquely from the others somehow. 
Well, I, I don't know if we need to follow one. I think it might be kind of a cool idea, like what Dylan said, that the <laughs> one you introduced to, they maybe uh, perish pretty quickly. And that way, you don't, you never get accustomed to one. One never comes across. It is only the, the clone, quote, you know? So I, I think that actually feels kind of cool. That way, there's yeah. nobody to root for, because then you're like, what, what's happening? Like, th- this company has to go down. And I feel like if you, if you get stuck with a group of just clones, you're going to side with them because that seems sad. Yeah. And it's neat that the one you think you're, you know, you think the hero of the story and, oh, he's dead. Oh, yep. well, this next hero looks just like him. And, you know, it, that we messes have, with tropes. Right? We have yeah. a cold opener too where it's someone running through the woods and it's, they get shot with like an arrow or something. It's the same person running through the woods and they slip and break their neck. It's the same person running through the woods and they get attacked by some sort, one of the death animals that, yeah. you know, one of the genetically engineered killer animals that and then the guy wakes up, and you're like, yeah. is he immortal? Is it a time loop? Are they clones? And then it's confirmed that it's clones. Yeah. And I would, my first stuff would be, it's it's dreams. Especially if you shoot this in the style that's oh, just yeah. creepy, and it, you're making like, oh, this, someone, this, this guy's having this nightmare, then he wakes up. And then you discover, oh, it's not a nightmare, too. So there's, because I don't know, you know, the average people watching this, no one says clones, unless maybe they do at the camp, or uh, at the factory is what finally says it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I agree with you completely. I wouldn't if I were watching that and it's like cold open, another cold open, another cold open, and I'm thinking, is this person running through memories? Is this is this person immortal? Like somebody said, I would not think first clone. And then once you see the second one, then you're like, wait, they made okay, so okay. And then once you see all of them together, you're like, oh man, this company sucks. <laughs> uh, cool. All right, uh, Dylan, where do yeah. we need to plug in some stuff? I think the second act needs stuff. As I was reading through, that one kind of struck me as pretty bare. Um, obviously, a lot of that is going to be the struggle between the clone group, which is woefully un- inadequately equipped to deal with this. Yeah, I would whatever say... whatever clever way they turn it around on the guy. Yeah, I would say if we can kind of tell this in three stories. Uh, story one is a clone learning they're a clone, mm-hmm. even though we're going through a couple. Story two is... Clones thinking they're being born for predatory purposes only. And then that ends. And then story three is how does this clone tribe survive? Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that would be cool. And I think that would help flesh out this second act also. Because if the second act turns into, I think that we're just being born so this thing can hunt us. I don't, we don't know what's going on. This thing just takes us out randomly. Sometimes it takes our body parts. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, and we've got some pretty fun room. We got some room for some uh, pretty fun kind of, you know, clone shenanigans. Have a whole bunch of options for um, dismemberment or other sort of like filmmaking stuff. If we depending on how we want to go with this, um, yeah. let's see. So. If, all right, Andy, now, if this were one of our projects, at this point, what we would do with this is put this into a Google Doc and actually just start really working on it. Say that this was a basic outline for a story that you wanted to continue. What would be your process of what you would do next? Yeah, I would write as many details for each each, each shot in my head, each scene. I'll um, flesh out everything I've got and see what else comes to me. Um, I do the old uh, you know, virtual note card thing, move things around, see what flows best. Um, and, and again, with the three distinct things, I, I like to put a different theme, like, you know, 
act two is you know maybe it's the classic action adventure but before it's like a, it's a mystery it's a nightmare what's happening and and three is the dystopian future but you know decide you want the down ending you want the happy ending is this is them all working customer support make a lot of jokes in there is it is it is there a sitcom middle to this as they gather and commune in the in the clone forest there you know so there's it's still all sorts of great possibilities right now yeah i think one of the one of the uh, the, the the things in movies that it, it captures me the most uh, creatively is when there's a tonal shift like you know Full Metal Jacket or From Dust Till Dawn mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if many movies can pull that off successfully or if movies have done three tonal shifts so that would be kind of interesting oh I guess that one movie um, what's that horror movie Dylan The Signal do you remember Contact? that Contact no, come on. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> it's got like it's got like three different directors that do like the the first, middle, and end, and like the middle one's a comedy, and the the first one's like a weird. Ho All right, anyway, if if you want a cool horror the movie, signal? check out check out the Signal. Yeah, um, uh, Andy Grant, you have honestly been one of my favorite guests we've had on here. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, your passion for what you do, for emotions, uh, from a man point of view, I think is so important and really just not respected enough so i really appreciate that uh your mind as far as creativity is awesome so dude i you're, you're in my top five i i appreciate really, you thank you so much really appreciate you coming by yeah cool i, uh, I had a blast this is such a, a unique experience i love it cool and uh before we kind of wrap up our stuff do you want to one last time pitch yourself sell something where can people find you if for some reason they just tuned in to catch the last 10 minutes <laughs> Cool. Yep. You can check out my podcast, Real Men Feel, on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube, Facebook Watch, realmenfeel.org if you're stumped for where to go. I am found at theandygrant.com. I have multiple books. I have uh, newsletters and downloads. Let's see. You can go to theandygrant.com slash talk and schedule a talk with me and maybe we'll make a pitch to do something. No, we probably won't. But we would just talk and see what's up with you. But uh, um, yeah, that's it. It's all good stuff. I'm everywhere. Be yeah. everything. Right on. <laughs> That's so cool, man. I, I, right on. I, once again, I appreciate it. Uh, I am, a, I'm a fan of your, of your, of your podcast. It's important work you're doing. I think like, it's not talked about enough yet. Yeah, I yeah, agree. like, uh, yeah. I, I wish, I, I wish it wasn't needed. Yeah, but it is. So, so I do it. I know this is a tough one because usually we have like creatives on. It's like, all right, let's just hop into this movie so we can write this movie. Uh, but with you, uh, you, your topic is just so important and so impactful that I, I would love to just spend hours talking to you just about that. Uh, it is very, very near and dear to my heart. But either way, if anyone's watching, please check out Real Men Talk. Andy Grant is an awesome interviewer. He's an awesome guy, super intelligent, really knows how to make you feel the right way, which is however you want. That's perfect. Feel. That's cool. Uh, what we did here... Some nobodies, me and Dylan, and our new friend Andy Grant. We put together a very weird, uh, probably feature movie about clones that are finding out that they are clones. Either way, we do this weekly. We bring on people here. We throw some stupid ideas out there. We try to teach people that your ideas are not dumb. Just work on them a little bit. It could be yeah. funny. It could be bad. Whatever. There's so many different types of content out there. The most important thing is intersectionality. Be smart, be creative, make sure people feel equal and everything else. If you want to help out and do what we do, or if you want to really uh, become a producer or help us make a movie or more of these weird shows or podcasts, you can always go to patreon.com backslash some nobodies. Uh, we need that. We're trying to do that. 
Thank you to International Broadcast Media Television for having me and my best friend Dylan uh, keep in touch over this weird time and still get to throw ideas out here. I'm not sure why people like listening to us talk about stupid stuff, but I do sincerely appreciate it. Because we're good at it, Zach. You should own it. That's true. Well, you're good at it. I just keep talking. Ah. So, yeah, it's like throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall. Something's got to stick. Something sticks. East Coast friends, uh, Tanya Sheck, Sarah Tkachuk, even the great Stott Curtis with his Behind the Bits podcast. We also have the Cool Company listener app. If you're on Instagram, go to The Greatest Podcast app. The best thing about that is if you listen to my show, you know that I mumble or slur. With listener app, they actually put the words up there so you can read it. And you're like, oh, I guess I missed a joke there. I had no idea Zach said something about Maryland and how terrible it is. Either way, thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Next week. Take it easy. Oh. <laughs>